friends. I just want to continue to minister in what the Holy Spirit is already doing this morning. Um, the section that I read was from Colossians 1. Um, for you, those of you that were here two weeks ago, I spoke on the book of Colossians. I've been teaching through the book. It is four little chapters, um, and the Lord has shown so much to me, revealed so much of his heart and just unpacked so much that is so relevant in this moment from those four little chapters in Colossians. As a community, I would encourage you to go and give it a read. Um, it's going to take you just a few minutes. You know what's amazing is if you take the, like the ESV, the Amplified, the Passion and the Message and go through each portion of Scripture from each translation. It's, it's the richest way to approach it. It's like you can see all the different multifaceted aspects. Uh, the footnotes in the passage are just beautiful uh, in the Passion Translation. So I would encourage you to do that. And um, this morning I'm going to be speaking part two on Colossians. I'm focusing on chapter three and four, and it's entitled Our New Humanity. And um, the letter to the Colossians, friends, is all about the supremacy of Christ, that he is central not only to his body, of which he is the head, but actually he is central and above and supreme over every authority and kingdom and structure that were created by him and through him, and because of his death, burial, and, and resurrection will be restored through him to its original purpose. Um, this moment in history is so key for us to reestablish ourselves again in the supremacy of Jesus as creator and ruler over all, and as the very center and source of our lives, his body, the church. And so I want to ask you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, maybe now or during the week, ask him about Jesus's lordship in your life. Because Jesus is savior, you know, we used to that conversation, Jesus is friend, as father, but as Lord means he has the authority over our lives. We bring our worldview. We bring our decisions. We bring our, the workings of our hearts and our thoughts and the circumstances of our life to him as Lord, as the authority over us. He is the head and we are the body. And it is a moment in history where I believe the Lord is establishing his supremacy again in the body of Christ. And Colossians unpacks that so beautifully. So ask yourself, is he Lord over every part of your life? Because here at The Collective, we are learning how to live and cultivate a Christ-centered life. Using that beautiful metaphor that Jesus uses in John 15, uh, he is the vine and we are the branches. You cannot get more connected than that. He is the very center and source of every part of our lives. And we cannot separate any part of who we are from who he is. Out of who he is flows 
the fruitfulness, flows the provision for every part of who we are and every part of our lives. And Paul uses such a similar imagery or theme in the book of Colossians again, saying, the, the church is the body and Christ is the head. There he is again, the source and center of everything that we are and all the nutrients, all the fruitfulness, everything we need for life is provided by him. And so that is how we are learning not only to live in understanding, in theory, but to live in practice as those who live from abiding, turning again and again to the presence of Jesus with us, to the centrality of who he is in every part of our lives. And for those of you that were here last time, you, you remember I used that analogy of the plant where he is the stem and every part of our lives, our marriages, our relationships, our work flow from him being the very, very source of what we do. So we are learning to, to move from freedom, that gift in salvation of total freedom, being reborn as sons and daughters, into fruitfulness. The beautiful participation and partnership that we get to live in as, an, as our inheritance as sons and daughters. In the second part in chapter 2, Paul also reminds us as believers, can I go on? He reminds us to not turn aside or fall victim to those who would minimize Christ and lead the church into empty philosophies and humanism. And friends, in this time, this moment in history, this message is so key. We need to be reminded of this right now. We have never had as many voices in every field of wellness and politics and how to do this well and how to live your best life and, and all kinds of things. We have these voices coming at us and there's this temptation to mix all of these amazing philosophies and ideologies with the gospel, but it doesn't work. It actually dilutes the power of the gospel and we need to come back. This message that Paul wrote to the Colossians is key for us now, coming back to the center uh, where our, our full view is Christ-focused, our worldview is led by the gospel, where Christ is Lord over all and is filtered by the Holy Spirit. And we need to wake up to that again, allowing him to filter uh, all the voices that we're hearing and our worldview at this time. And we're living in the age of, age of ideology. And ideology is a system of ideas about human life and culture. Everyone has their own but now people are deriving an identity, a sense of belonging, and a community from their ideology, from whatever worldview you subscribe to, and that is not the gospel. We want to come back to the words of the gospel where Christ is center, and then look at what we're believing and what ideologies we hold, but keeping the main thing, the main thing, staying faithful to the simple gospel of Jesus himself, and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us about our thinking. Can we commit to do that? It's a beautiful process with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start now. That was a little bit of a recap. I'm going to start on uh, from reading from Colossians 2, verse 20, as a starting point uh, speaking about our new humanity. Colossians 2 verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? 
do not handle this, do not taste this, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commandments and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Since then, Colossians 3 verse 1, you have been raised with Christ above, set your hearts, thank you, on things above and not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is reminding the believers um, that they have swapped the religious system of this world, okay, whether it is legalism, humanism, or empty philosophies, okay, so think of all those in the context of our current uh, 2021 reality. You are no longer under those ideologies, those thinking systems. No, you have swapped that for trust in the finished work of the cross. That is what we have swapped, all of those ideologies for the beautiful finished work of the cross for faith expressed in love. Friends, it's so, so powerful. And and I want to remind us this morning that following Jesus actually means joining a new humanity, Jesus's new humanity. And not in the frail human way of joining a tribe because you subscribe to their set of ideologies. Not that frail human way, but actually because our lives, each one of our lives have been joined with a resurrected Jesus. And so although salvation is completely a personal choice of faith, by grace you receive that and only you can make that decision. As you become reborn as a son or daughter, you enter a whole new humanity. You are part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a family. You are a spiritual nation that is set apart as God's chosen ones. That's what 2 Peter says, taken from darkness into the glorious light of God and now actually sharing his wonder with the world. And so we've become now part of this multi-ethnic family, this new humanity under Jesus. And so Paul starts here in Colossians 3 saying, and now set your minds not on earthly things, but set your minds on where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because Ephesians tells us that you are seated with him. Okay, And this message is not just about one day when we die and we have a harp in the clouds in heaven, Okay, which is actually a, not a good you know, picture of heaven anyway. It's not for then. It is for today. Paul is challenging us to live in the present, to live in today as the humans that we have been created to be 
through Jesus' blood and one day will fully become. One day when Jesus returns, that's what the word says here, when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. One day we will pack up this flesh tent and the fullness of, our, of the glory of sons and daughters will be revealed as Christ comes back. But we're not to wait for that moment. We're to live as the recreated ones here and now. Our prayer and our mandate is let heaven come to earth. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we get to be already now part of that new humanity, sons and daughters, bringing the life of Christ, participating in his life as our head, as our center, as our source, and actually being part of his plan. Thank you so much. That was going to happen. I was um, fighting with this from the start. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And actually being participators in the great plan to see all of creation restored to its original purpose through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We get to be his body, his hands, and his feet, part of this great master plan. And so our mandate now is to let heaven come in and through our lives here and now. And so, friends, we are learning. We are learning together to walk in the reality of our new humanity and Paul begins to outline what that actually looks like. And he starts by saying, where is your focus? And that is such a good place to start. Where is your focus? Do not, take your eyes off the scene and set your eyes on the truth of the gospel, which is that you have been resurrected with Christ and seated in heavenly places. And now he lives in you. Where is your focus? I think of... Um, and I, I think of the song that we sang and I think of the story of Peter. And I actually want to take this moment for, for that story to, think, to sink in. But as in the gift of salvation, um, we are reborn as sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 5, I want you to go and read that, uh, but where it explains we are new creations. Okay, We are now these sons and daughters. It's very much like when Jesus invited Peter to step out of the boat. You are now a son, and I want to teach you how to live, not by what is seen, but by what is unseen. I want you to actually learn to live a life where heaven comes to earth, an impossible life, a heavenly life right here on earth. So I want you to step out of that boat, and I want you to learn to walk with me. And if Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk. The moment he looked at the waves, he got distracted he got overwhelmed with fear and he began to sink. And that's a beautiful picture actually of what Paul is telling us here. Get your eyes focused again. Can we? I'm going to ask Marissa, I did ask her because this is a big ask, but I'm going to ask her to just sing, Spirit lead us where our trust is beyond borders. Can we close our eyes and in this moment, can we realign our focus on Jesus, seated in heavenly places where you are seated with him and filling your very being with his life. Just receive that alignment in this moment. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deep. Then my feet could 
ever wander And my faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander My faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander My faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander My faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Thank you, Jesus. We just allow you in, our, in this moment to call us again to a fresh walk of faith as sons and daughters with our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, being led by your Spirit. We allow you, Holy Spirit, to adjust our eyesight right now so that our eyes are focused on you and our trust is restored where we leave behind the safe and the comfortable and the apathetic God. And we actually walk in faith where you've called us to walk, where we cannot walk without complete trust in you. We cannot walk in our own strength, where we have to rely on your spirit to lead us. And I just thank you right now for a courage and a boldness to be reignited in our veins for the walk of faith that we are called to as sons and daughters, to leave behind the old things and to set our eyes on you, Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith, and to keep walking no matter how big the storms in total trust. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just combine the ministry and the worship and the preach. That's how it should roll anyway. So I love that. Thank you, Maris. So in verse 5, Paul says, Friends, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What Paul is teaching the Colossians here to do in their new humanity is to stop living in the behaviors that belong to the old nature. Okay? The old humanity died with Jesus and it has been replaced by a new humanity. Remember we looked at the, the operating system, the old operating system where we could try and try under the law to, to be perfect enough to have fellowship with God. We could never do it. And so Jesus had to re 
birth us through his spirit so that we could have a completely new operating system, that we could be perfect new creations in our spirit man, and that we could live as brand new creations. And so the new humanity, the oldest died with Jesus, and we are now living in a, in a new creation where we live by generosity and love and forgiveness. The old is gone. Friends, the new creation is always our starting point, okay? Whether you are doing inner healing, whether you are facing a challenge, whether you want to get closer with the Lord, what, where you need to start is, I am a new creation. If that is your starting point, everything else gets properly put together in terms of your view. Then you can be transformed to look and look more and more and more like the, the new creation you've been created to be through the blood of Jesus. And so Paul says, you used to walk in these ways, but now you've put on the new self and you're being renewed as you learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. That's when we begin to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, like fruit appears on an orchard. That's when we begin to exhibit the heart and the nature and the dreams of the Father to the world around us as we participate in his nature, as we walk in friendship with his Spirit, we become his hands and feet to the world around us. I love the way the Passion Translation puts it, Colossians 3 verse 5. Live as one who has died to every form of sin and impurity. It even says, live as one who has died to disease. That doesn't always manifest as true in our lives, but it is the truth. That's why we start with that new creation, so that it's the filter in which we allocate, correctly allocate the behaviors, the thoughts, and the things that we are stuck in. It goes on to say, lay aside your old Adam self, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of Jesus. That's our beautiful journey of joy with the Holy Spirit, that we get to live in the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross more and more and more. And then verse 11, Jesus's new humanity, friends, transcends the boundaries of what would have previously defined us. Black, white, male, female, Greek, Jew, slave or free. Colossians 3 verse 11, Paul says this, Um, here, here there is no Greek, as in here in the new humanity, there is no Greek or Jew, no circumcised, no uncircumcised, no slave or free. Christ is all and is in all. This is so huge. In a society that is polarized by political correctness and labels that put us into ideologies and tribes and groups, Paul says, but there is none of that here. In this new humanity, Christ is all and is in all. It is the great unifier. It is the great equalizer. It is the great, beautiful, glorious uh, miracle of the cross that we can live in true unity and diversity. No human scheme to bring unity will ever work apart from Jesus. Not completely, because it is in his blood that we've been unified. Every believer is now a son and daughter, part of this whole new family. We have a whole new identity. Um, we are no longer defined by 
those old labels. We are sons and daughters of the Father. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom in this world, but not of it. We are, and we're not clinging white-knuckled until he comes back again, but we are part of his plan in restoring all things to himself as he starts with us. Our lives, he transforms and heals. Friends, if this truth doesn't sink in, we're building walls between people and not bridges. It is the time for the sons and daughters to build bridges for the gospel. And I'm going to take you to a story in Acts 15. It's, it, it's rocked my world when I saw this about unity and diversity. And that is one of the things at the collective that I am so passionate about. And, and we have here this beautiful unity in the craziest diversity, and that is only going to grow. So here we have in Acts, you know, Acts is the story of the birthing of the church where humanity gets filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? The believers get filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they're actually figuring out what to do. And it's this crazy story of learning how to live now as the hands and feet in the church of Jesus. And so um, the story in Acts 15 is so interesting because there's this group of, of Jewish people, Jewish believers, that are insisting that everyone that comes, you know, obviously now the, the, the Greeks and those that are not Jews are being included, the Gentiles, in the good news of the gospel. It is for everyone. But these Jewish um, legalists, they want the circumcision. They're like, nope. We need to keep circumcision. It's like they're making this bar of holiness. And I want you to remember that Jewish legalism is the keeping of the law. It's about self-performance. Friends, the temptation of the human heart is to consistently prove ourselves by what we do. It is the biggest trap to prove ourselves by what we do. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit again and again will get you to the point to lay down what you do and the identity of what you do in order for his grace to define you. Okay, so, um, and it's also about Jewish legalism, it's also about supremacy. Like if you circumcised, if you do this, then you're better than the ones that have just like received the gospel and they're these heathens that were into, I mean, can you imagine what they were doing in those temples, the pagan worship, the sacrifices, the orgies, whatever it may have been. The Jewish people were like, we are actually cleaner than that. So let's make this about circumcision. And what happens is that the disciples gather together and they pray and they realize that actually there is nothing, there is no law, there is nothing that you have to keep, um, no rule you have to keep in the completeness of the gift of grace of salvation, okay? When you receive that gift, you are made pure, so pure that, that, that Paul actually says, you know, the people are tempted to keep sinning because they're like, well, it doesn't matter because we've been made so pure. He's like, no, no, you haven't got that at all because you, you want to live in the essence of your new humanity, which looks like Jesus. So set aside sin. And so there's nothing that you have to do that can qualify you to participate in the gift of salvation. But they want to address they want to address what's happening in the community so that everyone can gather together and feast around communion. So that everyone, the Greeks, the Jews, the males, the females, just think about this. In first world Roman context, that slaves and masters, men and women, Jews and Greeks would sit at one table and feast together. I mean, that is blowing culture like out the water. And so what the disciples do is they pray and they say to the group, to the church, they say, 
It pleases the Holy Spirit and us that we not place any unnecessary burden on you except for the following. Please stay away from anything sacrificed to a pagan idol, from eating what is strangled or with any blood, and from sexual immorality. You will be beautiful believers if you keep your souls from these things. So they say, listen, circumcision is nothing. It doesn't matter. You cannot put that on, on people. But they appeal to the group. Hey, guys, so that we can eat together, it would please the spirit and it would really please us if you could set aside those practices, those idol worship practices and sexual immorality so that we can come to the table and be unified. Isn't that so powerful? And so as we gather together as the body, it's like, guys, could we set aside our ideologies, our identities, our labels, can we just put that aside so that when we get together, no matter what your view on this is or your view on that is, that we can come to the communion table because there is nothing that qualifies you to be part of this new humanity except that you have received the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and that he is Lord. It's so powerful. And I want to show you this. So Paul has, um, um, the believer, the, the disciples have just said to the church, circumcision means nothing. One chapter later, Acts 16, verse 3. Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life and wanted him to accompany them in ministry. But Paul had Timothy circumcised first because of the significant Jewish community living in the region. And everyone knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. <sighs> Do you think that Paul had changed his mind on circumcision? 100% not. He had not changed his mind and suddenly thought, circumcision is the way to go. In fact, in Galatians 5 verse 22, he says, those agitators that want everyone to be circumcised so that they can be holy and be like the Jewish believers, could they just cut the whole thing off? Just can they castrate themselves because this is ridiculous, okay? That's how extreme he was. But here, he says to Timothy, let's go and get you circumcised because we're going to a Jewish region and we want to take the gospel to them and they know that you're a Greek. Do you see how precious the gospel is that they were prepared to actually get circumcised to build the bridge that the gospel could go into that community, friends. It is so huge. It is actually life-changing. There's only one message, and that is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the glorious message of grace. And, and Paul is prepared to become anything to all people to make that possible for the love of God and the message of Jesus to reach people. We need that to sink into our hearts, that we would be those prepared to set aside the things that are dearest to us, but are not the gospel, in order to build a bridge into people's lives to take the love of God and the goodness of the Father and the message of the gospel to them. No labels define us. We can minister to the Jew and the Gentile, to those on the right and the left, to liberals and conservatives, to black and white, because none of that defines us. What we are defined by is 
that we are sons and daughters and we are part of God's new humanity. The old is gone. It's a big ask, friends. We feel like, oh, I want to hold on to this thing that defines us, but it's going to change the world as sons and daughters build bridges and not walls into communities. The communities that irritate you and make you mad, the Lord will probably take you there and ask you to love and take the gospel to those people. When we live in that reality, we will be confident enough to love and serve people beyond the tribe or camp they are in, even if they are offensive to us. Friends, the Lord is doing that in our hearts. He is bringing unity in diversity, and it is supernatural. And I want you to make space for this, that we are so different in this community. And it is Wonderful, because the central agenda is Jesus. The central agenda is the gospel. That is why we can all come together. We can feast together. We can love and serve each other. And we can leave behind those other sub-labels at the door. Communion is the most beautiful act that unifies us all. Because when we take communion, we suddenly realize that by his death and his blood, our old is gone and we have been unified together as a new humanity. It's so beautiful that, they would, that we would have to set aside these prejudices and these separations and these walls in order to actually take communion. You know, Jesus said, by this, the world will know that you are my followers, that you love one another. And of all the things that the church is known for across the globe, that is probably the least in this season, the Lord is restoring that to his body, that we would really love one another and that we would really serve one another. And it is going to be what changes the world around us. Remember, love in the world looks like lust or desire or getting our own happiness fulfilled by someone else. But Jesus' love is self-sacrificing love. It's serving and laying down our life for each other. And I have to say, collective you are outstanding at doing that, and we're only at the beginning of the journey. We are learning together how to love one another well, how to walk this together, and to, to, to actually show the world how deeply we love because of the gospel, because of Jesus birthing us in this new humanity. And so I just quickly want to make um, a comment on being the body this actually isn't really an issue here at The Collective. So it's so beautiful. I'm not speaking into an issue, but I'm speaking into a global um, perspective on church. And it's important to kind of have this lens because then you understand, I think, what the Spirit is doing in this season. But we've got so used to globally being a consumer church, okay? We think of church as going to a building for an hour or two on a Sunday morning. And many people uh, tend to choose the church where they've got like the best kids program, the best coffee shop, whatever, the best singles program, and so on. And friends, if you think of that in the context of the scriptures, it's bizarre. And so at the collective, um, you know, Rob and I tend to be sort of mavericks and pioneers, and so we do love to explore what is different. But we are not um, doing things differently for the sake of doing things differently. We are really trying to learn in the spirit what it means to build a scriptural church, 
what it looks like in scripture, and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we just want to, as like a leadership, thank you that you're on that journey with us because it's an unfolding. He's teaching us how to build scripturally and how to be led by him as we live in community. That's where the transformative life of the Spirit is I don't want to do church because it's an alternative to a club that you could go to. I want to do church because it is the manifold wisdom of Christ displayed to the world. Really? Yes, <laughs> apparently. In Ephesians, that's what it says. And we are learning to be the manifold wisdom of Christ on display to the world. If we can have humble enough hearts to work together as a community, I believe that we're going to do that and are already doing that. Um, and so... What's so key, and we've missed this, is that, is that we actually come to church, yes, to receive. As we hear the word, we're taught, we're encouraged. Um, but it's, and, and as we participate in worship, we have encounter with Jesus, we come to receive for sure. But you actually also come to give. You come to bring what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You come to pray, you come to encourage, you come to bring a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song. And... And that is why we are so excited about the home church season where we do home church every second week. Will it always be like that? I don't know. But what we're learning there is how to participate in the life of Christ together. This is like a big family reunion. It's almost like we get to teach and we get to create some vision in terms of what the Holy Spirit's speaking to the church. We get to worship together like a big party. But in the home church gatherings, we get to share in and participate in the life of Christ together to give to come to encourage, to serve, to minister, to lead. It's so powerful, and we need to see more and more of that. And so please pray with us, because I believe it's something the Holy Spirit is unfolding to us as a community and wants to do more and wants to multiply. And so let him lead us into all of that. Yeah, I just wanted to say as well that um, doing church scripturally and moving away from a consumer church model. Um, you know, many people move away from church because it's so not what it should be, but then become islands, me and Jesus alone. And that is just completely not scriptural. It's scriptural to be in fellowship with believers, to be meeting daily, weekly, whatever it is, and meeting around the word and praying together and taking communion and fellowshipping together. And so, um, as much as there's the temptation, we're quite independent people, you know, there's the temptation to just like go it alone with Jesus. He's broken our hearts for his body because in our togetherness as a new humanity, uh, we get to bring that manifold wisdom of Christ to the world. I'm going to skip over the part and um, Paul goes into a beautiful unpacking of how the new humanity affects the practical of every day. He never skips through like, let's just live on a cloud and just be in this like heavenly reality. Paul always brings it down to how we live. It has to impact our relationships, our family, our church community, our workplace. And he always brings it down to that. And so no part of the human existence remains untouched by the loving rule of Jesus. Um, and then he looks at how to transform a household uh, with husband and wife. What is so beautiful is that he takes it from a male-dominated society in, in, in Roman first world context. And he says, 
He breaks that down and he puts Jesus as Lord over the home. So how do you work as husband and wife? How do you work as slave and master and child when the male is not the head of the home, where Jesus is the Lord of the home? Then, wives, you choose to honor and yield and submit to your husband because he is learning to be like Jesus in sacrificing of himself to raise up his wife. Can I just say, Rob and I often say this, uh, in the church there's lots of talk about submission. What does it mean? Could we focus for a moment on husbands learning to be like Jesus, sacrificing themselves to lift up the wife the way that Christ does a church? I believe if we got that right, then um, submission wouldn't be an issue at all. So maybe we just need to chat about that a little bit more. Um, but even slaves and masters, how do, you, how do you work with a slave when he does not belong to you? He belongs to Jesus. And slaves honor your masters because they're not your masters, Jesus. Are. It's, just, it's just amazing. Okay, I'm going to finish with this. Paul um, speaks in Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. This community is a community of leaders. You are leaders in business. You are leaders in, um, in social justice. You are leaders in ministry. You are just leaders. And I believe that what's very important is the way that we see our work, okay, the work that we do. We are not working for identity, any kind of label of success or, you know, whatever that means, significance. We are working from identity. We are working as if we do everything from the Lord. Our work is the ministry of our lives. We are not um, slaves to the ideology of careerism, where this kind of cult where we're prepared to sell our soul for work and money. And it makes us so vulnerable to anxiety and burnout and performance pressure and self-centeredness. No, we see our work as our ministry and participation and partnership with the Lord. And the Lord wants to redefine that for us. Um, ministry is, uh, and work is our original purpose in the garden. Adam and Eve worked with the Father in participation and in, um, in, in working with him, taking from their relationship of trust and, and intimacy and bringing change to the world around us. That is what we're called to do. He is restoring to us the original mandate that he gave his daughter and son in the Garden of Eden, that we would be fruitful and multiply. And as reborn sons and daughters, I want us to re-receive that mandate today. And I, be I believe that the Lord is going to continue to define work from that place of partnership with Jesus and participation, that it is not an identity in itself, but an overflow of our identity as sons and daughters and, and of that relationship. So I'm going to finish there. Um, and could we, could we just stand for a second? So I'm going to wrap up after this. Um, I'm going to pray this over us. But after that, we're just going to call Rob and actually, is Shani teaching Kids Church? 
Okay, it's Shaney's birthday on Friday, so um, I'm going to call them up afterwards. And I know that this month is full of amazing birthdays, and we don't always get to honor everyone in this context, but, but Rob and Shaney really do lay down their lives for us as a community. And I, I felt this, that we could take a moment just to, um, to sing. Alicia actually wants to sing a blessing over them, but it's going to actually unfold as a blessing to the whole community. Okay, so we're going to do that next. But I just want to, I want to end with this. I want us to close our eyes, friends. There's been a lot of readjustment in today's message. So, Holy Spirit, I just bless what Paul unpacks for us in Colossians. I bless the fact that 2,000 years later, it is more relevant than ever, that the scriptures are the breathed work and words of Jesus, and it is beyond our understanding, and we receive the scriptures as a, a gift in our lives, and we receive your Lordship through the scriptures and through your Spirit again, Jesus, in this moment. But as we've received kind of all of this aligning in our thinking, I want to take this moment just to pray for our work life and the ministry of our work. I want you to think about what you do, what your work is. And together with that, some of the dreams of your heart, okay? Those things that God has called you to do, those things that he has spoken over your life as the good works that he's got for you to do. And I want to read this out um, to you because I feel like he wants to refresh us in our mandate this morning to work from partnership and participation. He wants us to undergo a season of redefining our work by the Holy Spirit. And so I feel like he wants to take off our shoulders this morning the disappointment of performance pressure and the performance pressure we carry and the anxiety and the failure of things that we haven't succeeded in and the pressure of things we have succeeded in and the self-centeredness, whatever you might be carrying. I want you to just allow the Spirit to take that off your shoulders because it's not your burden to carry. And I want you to see yourself yoked in with Jesus. You know, he says to us, his yoke is easy. I want you to see yourself like arm in arm, partnership with Jesus. And to begin to have those conversations with him where he defines your work. He wants you to be successful, guys. He wants you to be so fruitful because it is through fruitfulness that we multiply and spread the glory of um, the delight of our relationship with him to the world around us. So we bless, Father, the fruitfulness of everyone's work in this season. We bless the businesses, God. We bless the dreams on people's hearts, God. We bless those words that you've spoken over their lives, the plans and purposes, the good works you've created them to do. Father, we bless those places that feel so barren, where there's just no financial breakthrough. We thank you for the fruitfulness and the provision of the Father. And I just want to read this like Jesus is saying it to you this morning. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Oh, Father, it is the season to live freely and lightly. It is the season to live in the fruitfulness of being your sons and daughters. It is the season to put aside the ideologies that are not helping us and the ways of being that are really a burden on our shoulders. And it is a season for the Spirit to rise up and teach us how to live as your new humanity, Jesus. And so in this moment, we want to walk with you. We want to work with you. We want to walk step in step with your Holy Spirit, God. And so I thank you that you teach us how to rest. You teach us the unforced rhythms of grace. And you anoint our lives as sons and daughters to bring that original mandate to be fruitful and multiply and see the beauty of our Father's kingdom spread from in our lives, through our lives, to the city around us. Come Holy Spirit, refresh us this morning. Re-envision us this morning. Call us out again. It's like the Father is just giving you a fresh mandate on your life, on the work that He's created you to do, on the ministry of your life this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit.